Well, good morning. Uh, my name is Steve Wallen. I'm the campus pastor here at Genesis Church, and we are continuing this series today uh, called Teach Your Children. And if you missed last week, let me catch you up in just a couple of sentences. Last week we said that uh, if you're a parent, the one goal, the most important goal you can have as a parent, no matter whether you're a Christian or not, uh, no matter if you, what you believe about Jesus or what you believe about God, the most important goal comes from the writings of a man named Solomon. And Solomon is a man who many people believe is the wisest man who ever lived, and he uh, wrote much of the book of Proverbs. And in Proverbs 22.6, we find that writing. Proverbs 22.6 says, teach your children how they should live, and they will remember it all their lives. And, and we can see the wisdom in that, I think, can't we? I mean, from the moment you become a parent, uh, you begin teaching your child things, Right? Uh, you, you teach them, and I have one friend that says, you know, you spend the first three years teaching your kids to walk and talk, and the next 18 teaching them to sit down and shut up, right? So we're always teaching our kids something. But what we should be doing, according to this scripture, is teaching children how they should live. Uh, we need to teach them how to treat others and how to be a good citizen and how to respect other people, these things that just aren't intuitive, right? They're things that don't come naturally to kids or to people. You just you need, no, need to do no more than watch a three-year-old interact with another three-year-old to know that we're not naturally unselfish, right? And so we have to teach them those things. And then we said, if you're a Christian, there's more. Because we said that the way they should live, well, that's lined out for us in the Bible, in Scripture. And in fact, in Deuteronomy, we pointed to last week, Moses says, the most important thing is to love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your strength. And we said that's the most important thing that we can teach our kids is how to love the Lord. So we said the number one goal as a parent, if you're a Christian, is teach your children to love the Lord. And so this week we're going to take that and the next step. We want to take that next step. We want to take some time today to look at the unique role that moms and dads play in raising uh, children. Now, we know that there's some inherent danger here, all right? Uh, danger in covering this topic. First, we know there's danger uh, that will be viewed as old-fashioned. You know, saying that men and women have different roles, uh, some people would think that's bogus, but we have loads of evidence, okay, that God created men and women differently with different gifts, right, and different abilities and different talents and different uh, personalities. We have many studies, uh, scientific studies, that show that children respond differently uh, to certain instructions from women uh, than they do uh, to those same instructions for men. You know, some, some instructions that children don't take as readily from men they take more readily from women and vice versa, and so we want to talk about this. Second, there's a danger of spending an entire morning on the roles of moms and dads and that many of you aren't raising kids yet or may never want to raise kids. And for some of you, uh, you know, your days of raising kids are over. Maybe you're grandparents or uh, maybe you're an aunt or an uncle and, and you think, well, really, we're going to spend a whole um, morning on this, well, hopefully what we'll talk about today will apply to you anyway, because you've got some influence maybe on kids. Finally, we know there's a danger uh, that comes from this fact. More kids than ever are growing up in non-traditional homes. Uh, they're being raised by single parents or by grandparents or uh, by unmarried couples or in other situations where there isn't a mom and a dad. And our intention this morning, if you're in that situation, is not to riddle you with guilt about the way that you're raising a parent but to open your eyes, hopefully, to understand uh, the needs that kids have and how these roles uh, we can play as parents uh, affect them. And I want to tell you that no family is perfect, all right? But what we see time and time again in the teaching of Jesus is that he will point us to an ideal and say, hey, in an ideal world, this is how you would live, but then he never criticizes somebody for failing to reach that ideal. 
And so uh, what we're going to do is, is, as Jesus does, we're going to point to something that's good and right and perfect. And Jesus invites us, no matter where we start, to take a shot at it. All right? Uh, and, and then so our hope is that if we take a shot at it, we'll, even if we don't reach it, we'll end up in a better place than where we are today. And so that's what we're going to do today. We're going to cover uh, six roles each that moms and dads can give to their kids. Uh, but there's a problem, and that's that I have never been a mom. Uh, we'll never be a mom. I'm not a mom, and so I wanted a mom to help me with this. And uh, I feel like I've got one of the best moms in the world in my home. And so I asked her uh, to help me with this. My wife, Benita, and I have been married for 21, almost 22 years now, and we've got two daughters. Uh, she's an awesome mom, and she's, gonna, she's agreed to help me this morning. So uh, this is not her natural habitat, and so I hope that you'll help, me f- help her feel welcome. My wife, Benita Wallen. We uh, made some real loud music last time she tried to hug somebody, so we have to be careful. That's true. I forgot about that. I did it again. Um, Thanks so much for joining me up here. I'm so glad that you're here. I think I'm stuck. Hold on. (laughs) Well, I thought I'd join you since I usually write your sermons anyway. (laughs) If that's the fact, I think I speak for everyone when I say they're getting a little long. Uh, I I think one of the things that we all wish we had as parents is some feedback, right? Wouldn't you like, if you're a parent, wouldn't you like some feedback? Wouldn't you like to know how you're doing as a parent? You know, uh, know, our kids bring home report cards that tell us how they're doing at school. At least one of our kids does. (laughs) Sometimes they don't. But as parents, we rarely get much insight as to how we're doing as as a parent. Now, once in a while, though, our kids will give us a little clue. Okay, like this. I found these notes on a blog this week. These are actual notes uh, from actual kids written to or about their moms and dads. So sometimes we'll get some real encouragement, moms, from one of our kids uh, like this. It says, Dear Mom, thank you so much for being my mom. If I had a different mom, I would punch her in the face and go find you. That's great. I'd love to get that kind of encouragement, right? Uh, Not all kids are full of praise, though. Uh, Sometimes you get something like this. Uh, Mommy, I love you sometimes. Okay. Uh, sometimes we have uh, parents, moms or dads, that write a note to your child, maybe put it in their lunchbox or in their backpack, and sometimes the child writes back, uh, Dear Julian, have a great day, love mom. Julian says, I will not. <laughs> and then, moms, uh, sometimes your kid throws you under the bus, like this. <laughs> My mom likes drinking wine. Thanks, son. Or, or like this one. Uh, I love this. The most interesting person. I think my dad is the most interesting person I know. It was easy to pick my dad over my mom because she's more like a regular mom. I don't know what that means. I'm pretty sure one of our kids wrote that. Yeah, I think so. Uh, I don't know if this was written to a mom or a dad, um, but you can, you've probably seen something like this. Dear mom and dad, uh, don't bother to give me dinner. I'm not that hungry. Love, and then that's scratched out, from the saddest person in the world. I think one of our kids wrote that one, too. Yeah, I think so, too. <laughs> Uh, Dads, we're not immune to the criticism from kids. I love this one. Uh, Dad, remember, father and son day, not father sleeps on his bed all day day. Understand this day on the left, dad and son, not this day, dad on his bed. And finally, I'm pretty sure this sentiment came from uh, from a dad too. Positive ways our family handles stress. Suck it up. All right. That's how we do in our house too. So clearly, men and women have different gifts and different styles and different personalities, and as such, it's quite simply easier and more natural for women to take on certain roles uh, parenting than others. It's easier for men to take on certain roles in parenting than others. But a couple of disclaimers before we start. We're not perfect. Uh, I said that last week. 
<laughs> What's that? I said you're close. Oh, thank you. I wanted everybody to hear that, that you said that. <laughs> Uh, I, I said that last week. We are not the ideal family, so don't look to us, but hopefully look to the wisdom that we have for you that we try to follow, too. Uh, two, parenting at its absolute best is a team sport, all right? It's not an individual sport. And th- this is true whether you're married to the other parent or not. Uh, but most of what we're going to focus on this morning is for married parents. Uh, the third thing is this. Neither parent's role is more important than the other. Uh, moms have gifts they can bring. Dads have gifts they can bring, but... None of us with kids should decide that, you know what, parenting is mostly my spouse's job or parenting is mostly my ex's job. You know, to do the absolute best we can, we've got to be equally yoked in this. And so that's what we're going to talk about today, the six gifts each that moms and dads can bring their kids. There are places in your worship program if you want to follow along with that, and I hope you'll do that. Uh, I'm going to let Benita start with this one. I'm going to fix your microphone real quick, though. Okay. I don't have my sunglasses on this time. That's good. It's about to fall off your head. I poked you in the eye. Yes. Okay. All right. Uh, The first thing is um, love their dad. And last week in Gen Kids, it was Mother's Day, so all the kids in Gen Kids got this sheet that said 10 things I love about my mom. Well, my daughter Grace is too old to be in Gen Kids, so I did what every mom should do, and I stole one and made her fill it out. And then, Steve, what does she have for number four? Uh, Number four says she loves my dad. I did not tell her to write that. And on number five, it's she loves me. So that's really important to her that I love my dad. And it's because she understands what I understood at her age, and that's when your parents love one another and show love one to one another, then you have security no matter how crazy the world is. And my mom was really good at modeling that for me. <laughs> this isn't awkward. At modeling that for me because she doesn't have a husband who's quite as lovable as mine. But um, she made no secret that her husband was her priority over her kids, over her other family members, uh, over her friends, that my dad took precedence. And that, to me, was a picture of um, our relationship with as the bride of Christ. Um, there's a, I know it's really hard for a lot of women to show love to their kid's dad because you may not have that love coming back to you. You may not receive that. But I want to read something to you from Ephesians 5.21 that says, Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. So when you are showing love to your kid's dad, you are doing holy work. Um, and there's a verse that I find really helpful for my role as a wife, and it's Philippians 4.8. It says, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. And as you're praying that, think about your role as a wife. Um, And then a word of caution. Don't, ladies, don't think that you know what's right and true, that you need to pray and seek God's righteousness and, and see what God has that is right. Because the truth is that oftentimes we think we're right and we're not. And we need to have the perspective we need to understand our husband's role in this and in his perspective. And, um, and a lot of times it doesn't even matter who's right. That's so true. And I saw uh, Tim Keller, who's a pastor out of New York City, tweeted this week. He said something like this. If you find yourself always agreeing with your God, you might just be worshiping an idealized version of yourself. And so we don't always have the answer to what's right. The thing we think is right, after prayer, we may find out is not right. So that's really good. Uh, number one for dads, uh, number one is love their mom. You know, when I do weddings, I always tell uh, the couples that I'm getting ready to marry, um, 
And uh, if they're Christians, I'll say your number one priority is your relationship with Christ. And then number two is your relationship with your spouse. I say no longer is it your relationship with your parents until now. You know, your relationship with your parents has been the most important in your life. Uh, But it's not your parents anymore. It's not your kids in the future. It's each other, your spouse. Uh, One of the biggest problems I see in marriages, and being a pastor, I see a lot of problems in marriages. And one of the biggest problems I see is that adults who have never cleaved from their parents, they've never left. She still trusts her mom. Uh, more than she trusts her husband. And, and I see that all the time. And, and to make a marriage really work and to make a parent, be, to be a, the best parent, um, you've got to love that spouse. Spending time together is important. Uh, it's important for us having a date. Uh, sometimes that gets lost when you have kids, doesn't it? Especially if you have little kids running around because you don't trust anyone with this precious little baby of yours. And there's nobody in the world that's qualified to take care of them like you are. And I understand that. I get that. Um, but uh, you know, dates are important. You've got to find a sitter. And if you don't have a sitter, uh, find a couple, another couple that can swap with you because, uh, you know, get a friend or a neighbor if you can't afford a sitter. That's so important to get that time together. Um, one of the things I love about being on staff here at Genesis is we have Fridays off. Like our office is closed on Fridays. I work Sunday it's through Thursday. Great. Yeah, our it's great. Our kids are at school and we have an entire day together. You may not have that luxury. Okay. But we've made it so important and we've protected that. Like it can be so easy to slip into the uh, trend of, well, um, you know, she'll just watch somebody's kids for a while in the morning, you know, or I'll just uh, go meet with that couple that needs to meet because Friday's the only day they can do it. But we don't. We protected that. And uh, I want my girls to see that mom is the priority. And uh, especially at this developmental stage, my girls are 12 and 10. They're uh, preteens. I want them to see that because I know that right now they're forming their opinion of what a man looks like. And I want them to desire to marry a man who will make them the first priority or the second priority after their relationship with God. Uh, The other thing, too, if you're a Christian guy, uh, Christian guys, if you've been around the church very long, you've probably talked about or thought about finding a Proverbs 31 wife, right? Everybody talks about, uh, if you know Proverbs 31, it's a a chapter in the Bible that talks about a wife of noble character. That's what every Christian man, you know, aspires to marry. And here's what it says about that. I I found this this week. This is so good. Proverbs 31.10 says, A wife of noble character who can find... Uh, she's worth far more than rubies. That's, that's very valuable, in case you don't know. Um, but verse 11 says this, her husband has full confidence in her. So the first thing it says about a noble wife isn't anything about what the wife needs to do. It's about the husband. Uh, not that the wife doesn't have any role in that or responsibility. She does, and you see that later. But the very first thing it says is her husband has full confidence in her. Guys, if you can't have full confidence in your wife, she's never going to achieve that idea of being a godly wife. Uh, I just want to say this. For single parents, uh, divorced parents, um, what does this mean for you that you love their mom? Uh, first of all, how about being respectful towards the other parent? Uh, try not to say anything mean or spiteful, especially in front of your kids, because they catch on to that very quickly. Uh, maybe you need to work on rebuilding that relationship. Uh, you don't have to be best friends, but like it or not, you guys are in a partnership when it comes to raising your child. And so what could it mean for your kids to see you have a good relationship with their other parent. I mean, even if you're not best friends, but it could mark them for life uh, in a good way. So that's number one. Uh, What's number two for you, hon? Be a stabilizing presence in the home. And I know this doesn't naturally come to us all the time. I don't know if you guys have noticed, but we can be kind of, our moods can fluctuate. Yeah, really? Yeah. Hmm. Hmm, Yeah. It's interesting. Uh, (laughs) So how do we do it? If it's not natural, we pray without ceasing. Um, We pray when our blood pressure begins to rise or before we speak 
Um, we, we ask for God's peace and his wisdom. And I love in um, James 1.5, there's a promise that is incredible for everyone. And it says, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault. That's a great promise. Um, and when you think you cannot be the stabilizing presence in your home, hang on to this beautiful gift. It's from Galatians 5.22 through 23. And it says, but the fruit of the spirit that produces in a person's life love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And I think often we read that and we feel condemned that we don't measure up. But don't think of it that way. Think of it as a promise that this is what God is offering to help you with. Um, so last Monday, um, Steve and I had kind of a rough parenting night, and we're both lying flat on our backs saying, How, why would we up here speaking because we are a hot mess and we have nothing figured out. Um, but there's a, um, a quote that I found a few weeks ago that I found very comforting, and it says, God does not want perfect parents. He wants prodigal parents. So we just keep returning to him in our hot mess. We return to him over and over again, and he's enough. He will sustain us. Yeah, that's good. Uh, number two for dads is uh, teach your children respect. We need to teach them respect. It's important that you teach your kids early to respect parents, respect their teachers, respect elders. Uh, you need to start at a very young age. Uh, you need only walk through the local Walmart to see this is not a very popular teaching, right? You walk along down the aisles and you see kids uh, screaming and throwing a fit, throwing a temper because they're not getting the cereal they want, they're not getting the Mountain Dew that they want, they're not getting uh, whatever it is that they want, or they're not in the right aisle, or they don't want to be there, and I used to think it was a rule that you had to take your kids to Walmart to spank them. Um, I don't think that's true anymore. I've, I realize I can spank my kids at home. Uh, but, you know, you can tell if you go to a Walmart or a Meyer, you can tell that there's some of these families where the kid is in control of the family. Like, they're deciding what they're going to eat and what they're going to buy and where you're going to shop and how long you're going to stay there. They're deciding if mom or dad can talk on the phone or not. Now, the kid is in control of the family, and that's not how it's meant to be. That's, that's kids with a total lack of respect for their parents. And, and these kids that have a lack of respect for their parents generally grow up with a lack of respect for other people, and that's why it's so important. Uh, so if you're a parent and you want some scripture to back this up, you want to teach your kids through scripture, right? Deuteronomy 5.16, uh, the Ten Commandments are a good place to start. It says, honor your father and your mother as the Lord your God has commanded you so that you may live long and that it may go well with you. And you can use that verse and say, hey, remember, if you honor your mother and your father, it will go well with you. And maybe you find that that'll work, but maybe your kid's a little more obstinate and you need something a little bit stronger. Uh, so go to Proverbs 30, 17. It says this, the eye that mocks the father and despises a mother's instruction will be plucked out by the ravens of the valley and eaten by vultures. There you go. You've got a verse. You can help your kids. All right. Uh, you can try it the loving way or the tough love way, uh, one way or the other. Children so should learn respect. What's that? It's so important to know scripture. <laughs> know, know your Bible. You know? <laughs> Children have to learn respect. And dads, uh, we talked about this last week. It's not enough to teach them by telling them. We have to model it for them. Dad, we have to model respect for our kids. Um, did anybody see the story this week about Mitch Williams, the former Cubs pitcher? Um, Mitch Williams was a uh, pitcher for the Cubs, and then the Phillies, he was known as Wild Thing because, uh, first of all, he almost always fell off the mound every pitch, uh, but he also couldn't control where that pitch was going to go all the time. And a uh, crazy guy, um, uh, you know, as a Cubs fan, it was great to watch him, a lot of entertainment, because you never knew what was going to happen. Every pitch uh, had the potential to be something crazy and wild. Um, but this week, he got kicked out of his 10-year-old son's uh, baseball game for calling the umpire 
well, a name that I don't usually say in church. I just say it that way. Um, it was not a very, or ever, I don't ever say, um, you know. Uh, but he got kicked out of his 10-year-old's game for yelling at the umpire. Dads, we've got to do better than this. Our, our kids deserve better. We, if we want them to pay respect, if we want them to learn respect, we have to model respect for them. Okay, what's your number three, hon? Um, be a voice of affirmation. And this is something that in the last year I think God has really grown me in. And what he's taught me lately is that I cannot be an affirmer if I'm not affirmed. And if I'm going to my children or even my wonderful husband for that affirmation, that is not their role. And I'm going to be um, disappointed and that I have to go to God for that. Um, I have a teenager um, who used to think I was adorable. And um, I don't hang the moon anymore in her eyes. And that's really painful. Um, but God has led me to read through um, the accounts of the Last Supper, and I was struck by how much Jesus loved Judas and how painful and heartbreaking it must have been for him as he was washing the feet and drying the feet of Judas in the midst of his rebellion. And I now know that if there's anybody in the world who understands the rejection a mother feels when she has a teenager, it is Jesus. And so this is his invitation to me. He was telling me, come to me when you feel rejected. I understand and I will affirm you. And that led me to my favorite verse of 2014 that I keep coming to over and over again. And it's Hebrews 4, 14 through 16. And it says, therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. We do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. And I know that's not up on the screen, and I, I'm going to say that again because I, I can just meditate on that for a long time. It's Hebrews 4, 14 through 16. Um, so now that you have been affirmed by the one who is supposed to affirm you, how do you, in turn, affirm that to your kids? I love the movie The Help. And um, I don't know if you've seen it or not, but some of you already know where I'm going with this. Because, <laughs> see? See? She does. See? <laughs> um, Abilene Clark says to Mae Mobley over and over again, you is kind, you is smart, smart you is important. And she says that over and over again. Um, one thing, Kevin Russell was speaking one time and something that he said struck me. And so every night, um, the last thing I do with my kids before I kiss them on the forehead is I look them squarely in the face and I say, you are my daughter and with you, I am well pleased. And a lot of times they'll roll their eyes or they'll moan. Oh, no. Yeah. Or all she's doing. But if I forget, they remind me. Because every daughter needs to know that she is loved and that we are well pleased with her. Um, I have a sweet friend who has taught me so much over the years. And the most recent thing she has taught me is that everything I say to my kids is either a curse or a blessing. Because God has given me authority over my children. And because of that, my words have supernatural power. Um, so whenever I speak to them... Um, I, I want to call forth in them what I desire out of them. And sometimes that's hard to put a guard on your mouth. But, but what, we see, what we say is it has power. 
Um, so we want to speak princely things over our children. And while we're talking about affirmation, I know I'm going to go long, sorry. No, you're good. <laughs> so, um, Take all I the wanna, time you need, huh? I want to talk to the grandmas in the room because you have such power over grandkids. And um, you may not have the physical stamina that the parents do, but you probably have more emotional stamina than they do. And kids need that grandma who will listen to them talk for as long as they want to talk. And honestly, parents aren't good at that, but grandmas are. You don't have to solve all their problems. Let the parents do that. You just be their cheerleader. And for ants, uh, um, I'm sorry. No, you're good. And for ants in the room. It's a great story. You, um, you are way cooler than parents. And so you have a lot of influence on the kids that are in your life. Um, I am blessed to have two grown um, nieces that are precious to me. Um, one of them grew up in a very dysfunctional family. And when she got married, her mother-in-law came to me and said, I just want you to know that uh, Kelly was looking at you, and she knew that she could have a different kind of life because of what she saw in you, and she mentioned our marriage as well. That is such a blessing to me to know that even though I failed her over and over again, that God still used me, and he can use you too. Do we have any teenagers in here? Okay, good. So I'm going to talk to you next. Sorry. <laughs> um, you have a huge influence on the kids that are just a little younger than you, whether you want to or not. And I am asking and pleading with you that you take that role seriously and that you be a model that they can look up to and that you show an interest in that group. Um, if you go, no, don't go down Jen Kitts Hallway. When out in the cafe, those kids that are swirling around your feet, Know their name and take time to say hi to them. And you may not like it. You may say, I don't really like kids. Well, you can fake it for five minutes because they need you. That's they what I need usually you. do. <laughs> you, you fake it well because they really need you. And especially, guys, that kid down the street that doesn't have a dad in his life very often, if you take the time to ask him about his soccer game or ask him what level he is on on whatever kids play these World days. Warcraft. World Warcraft, or Pokemon cards. I know that's big. If you ask him how many Pokemon cards is, that can have a huge, huge impact on that kid. Um, there in Jeremiah, Jeremiah was a prophet who was called when he was very young, and he was not sure about God's plan for him. And I want to read part of that. It says, The word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to nations. Ah, oh, sovereign Lord, I said, I do not know how to speak. I am too young. But the Lord said to me, do not say I am too young. You must go to everyone I send you and say whatever I command you. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you and I will rescue you. Then the Lord reached out his hand and touched my mouth and said to me, I have put my words in your mouth. See, today I appoint you over nations and kingdoms to uproot and tear down, to destroy and overthrow, to build and to plant. Now, God may not have called you in the same way that he called Jeremiah, but he did set you apart. And I know that you have the ability to either destroy or to plant, and I'm asking you to plant in the group that's coming up. I could just listen to you all day. <laughs> you do. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, number three for dads, spend quality time with your children. 
Um, this was brought home to me a few years back. I, I was uh, working for a company, and I was uh, doing a lot of sales and marketing work. I was on the road a lot. And one uh, six-month period, uh, 23 out of those first 26 weeks, I was on the road, or 23 out of those first 26 weeks, I was on the road. I was uh, traveling at least one overnight, sometimes two and three nights a week. And I remember one particular trip, I got back uh, from uh, a trip late at night. My flight had been delayed, and I got back about 10.30. My kids were already asleep. And the next morning, I woke up. I had an early meeting at work, and so I got up and left. And uh, my daughter, Audrey, was probably four at the time or so. And she came to Benita and said, um, Mom, where's Dad today? And she said, well, honey, he's at work. And she brought out a map of the United States and said, no, I mean, where is he? And uh, for her, she thought it was really cute, uh, and it pierced right through my heart because I realized that my kids are growing up without me being here and spending time with them. And um, that during that phase of my life, I missed birthdays, I missed anniversaries, I missed uh, gymnastics practices and dance recitals, and I I don't face that anymore. I rarely, if ever, travel for work. But my biggest risk now is much different. My biggest risk now with my kids is being there, but not being present. And in fact, probably uh, my biggest threat to spending quality time with my kids is right here in my pocket. And we almost all of us have one. You know, it's, it's so easy to be spending time with your family, but to be a thousand miles away thinking about something else. Um, dads, I, I know so many times we think about, you know, I, I don't have a lot of time to spend with my kids, but I want to spend quality time. I spend quality time with them when I do. Well, I've got to tell you that quantity time is quality time. Uh, it's good to spend lots of time with your kids because you will end up in conversations that you didn't start that would only happen out of being in proximity. And when you are around them, uh, start those conversations, uh, even if they're a little bit awkward for you to talk about. Because the idea is that later, if they have something awkward they need to talk about, well, they're already comfortable talking to dad about it. So why not bring it to dad? You know, they won't feel so bad about coming to you with it and instead go to a friend. Um, If you have daughters, dads, let them find their male attention from you first. This is so important. You know, teach them what it means to treat a young lady well. Uh, don't be afraid to hug your daughter and kiss your daughter, uh, even as she gets older and her body starts to change and, um, you know, it becomes maybe a little more awkward for you as a dad. You've got to keep doing that because they are going to find physical affection from somewhere. How much greater is it when they can find it from their father? That's really important. I've heard that from girl after girl. That's yeah. so important. Yeah. Um, so we decided... Um, Last spring, we were enjoying our Friday date days and then realized, you know what, the school year is quickly coming to an end, and we're not going to have, for eight weeks, we're not going to have Friday date days anymore. What are we going to do? And at the same time, I was being convicted by God about the fact that I wasn't very good at, at, at having a Sabbath, a time of rest in my life. And so we decided as a family, um, well, actually, we talked about it first, but then we decided as a family, we were going to set up one day to be a Sabbath where we wouldn't do any chores, we wouldn't do any work, um, we would just enjoy spending time together as a family. And we thought Fridays made sense because I'm off work, kids are out of school now. Um, But we also realized that we have connection group on Friday night, and so that wasn't going to really work to have to prepare for that. So we decided, we picked a 24-hour period, like 5 o'clock, 5.30 on Thursday night until 5.30 on Friday, that we would only have family time. We were going to... you know, bar the door. We were going to bar the door because <laughs> the doorbell rings in our neighborhood constantly with friends coming over. Uh, Thursday night, we were going to do dinner, uh, family movie night. And then uh, Friday, we were going to go do something fun. And it didn't have to be expensive. We did uh, some parks. We did some museums. We did take a couple of uh, like family getaways for a day. Um, but 
it was so precious to us to have those time. And we, we have so many good memories from last summer um, that, that we're going to do it again this summer. And so, uh, you know, I just realized when I was preparing this message, I have six summers left with my daughter, Grace, uh, before she goes off to college. And uh, I've got to make the most of that. And so I'm going to try to do that. Uh, what's your number four, hon? Creating teachable moments. I think you read part of Deuteronomy at the beginning. It loved the Lord your God, with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you're at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. I'm not sure how you do that. If anybody knows, you can see me afterwards. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Um, This verse is the foundation for creating teachable moments in your children. If my kids came home, I'm not good at math. I don't know if, yeah, I'm really not good at math. But if my kids came home and said, Mom, I need to know calculus. You're going to have to teach me. Well, that would not work very well because I don't know calculus and I can't teach it to them. And it's the same thing is true with spiritual things. You have to know God's heart. You have to know his word and know his promises and know his commandments and to be able to obey those. And when you do that, and when you infuse your family with his word, then create, you can create teachable moments. And you're so good at creating teachable moments just in little things that the kids say. I remember last weekend we were driving in the car, and there's this, uh, there's this new song by a group called Paramore. Uh, I don't know if you've heard this, but it goes something like, Don't go crying to your mama when you're on your own in the real world. And she turns around, looks at our girls, and says, I just want you to know you can come crying to your mama anytime you want, even when you're on your own. <laughs> You always get, she's always creating teachable moments for them. I love that. Uh, number four for dads. Doesn't mean I'll listen to them, though. <laughs> yeah, as long as you don't sing it, too, right? Uh, number four for dads, uh, give spiritual direction for your family. Uh, you are the spiritual leader of your house. You need to be. I, I sh- way too easily shirk this responsibility. I, I'm here. I'm giving spiritual direction to people all day long, uh, all week long. That's what I do, and, and Benita's with them more, so I want to just pass it along to her. Uh, there's no doubt, though, that we both have a role in this, But I ran across this incredible statistic this week when I was preparing for this message about the power of male spiritual leadership in your house. Okay, listen to this. If a child, say there's a household that that nobody in there is a Christian, nobody's a Christ follower, okay? If a a child is the first person to come to Christ, there's a 3.5% chance that the rest of the family will come to Christ, okay? Children don't have a whole lot of influence in that situation. If the mom comes to Christ first, comes into a saving relationship with Jesus Christ, there's a 17% chance that the whole rest of the family will. That's pretty good. It's better. But it's nothing like this. If a dad is the first person in the family to come to Christ, there's a 93% chance that the rest of the family becomes Christians. No pressure there. 93% chance. Dads, you are the key to your family's spiritual growth. I say it a different way. You are the lid to your family's spiritual growth. Your family will not outpace you spiritually. Most likely, they will stay behind you. They will look to you for leadership. And if you can't constantly raise the bar on what it means to follow Jesus, um, your family's not going to go with you. So talk to them about spiritual things. Ask them questions about what they learned in church when they were here and, and what they believe about God. And talk to them about a relationship with Jesus. You know, Talk to them early about that. Uh, talk to them about things like baptism. Let them see you reading the Bible. And let them see you praying and walking with the Lord. It, it will mark them for life. So what's number five? Encourage their faith. Um, in order for faith to be encouraged, there has to be a risk. 
And that's kind of hard sometimes with kids because when we pray for healing and grandma dies or, you know, we pray for a sin to be healed and it doesn't, you know, that's, that's a hard road to walk with children. Um, and sometimes we're tempted to not have our kids, or I'm tempted sometimes not to have my kids ask for the hard things because I can't deal with the disappointment. Um, but then what we leave our kids thinking is that God is, his purpose is to dispense happiness, and that's not who our God is. Um, the truth is there's a whole lot I do not know and understand, but this I know, that my God is faithful and that he um, does everything allows everything for my good. And um, our job as parents and as kids is to pray that we will bring him glory through it. When my kids are suffering and I don't understand, um, I can assure them and um, know that um, in every situation that God is wants, he wants to shape us and he wants to use us. But we have to pray that we will bring him glory in, in every situation. And our kids are 10 and 12, and they know that life is no bed of roses. They've seen marriages fail, and they've, they know their mom's sins. Um, but I've been discovering that when I share with them my struggles, and I ask them to pray over me, as they did this morning, um, that I am inviting them to understand the kind of relationship I have, that God sustains me and that God is there for me and that God has a plan. And it may be a long-term plan that I don't see the end to, but that's the kind of relationship I want them to have. And so I need to model that for them. So good. Uh, Number five for dads is to encourage your children. We are so often granted the role of enforcer. You know, when I was growing up, I don't know how it was for you, but when I was growing up, I always heard, wait till your father gets home. You know, do you hear that? You know, we, we hear that all the time, and that's so many times the role of the dad. And I'm not saying that you should shirk that responsibility. If you're a dad, you've got a role in discipline, and moms have a role in discipline. But what I'm saying is that if we do play the role of enforcer in our home, that means that we have to be over the top and effusive in our praise for our children. Now, I'm not talking about building up false self-esteem for our kids, okay? But I'm talking about encouraging them whenever you see them doing something right or doing it well, and especially if they're doing it without being asked. Uh, I, I mean, like uh, Benita said earlier, affirming your children. You know, every word for your kids can be a blessing or a curse. And if you, if you do curse them or in their eyes you're cursing them through uh, punishment and discipline, you've got to go over the top in blessing them with words. John Eldridge uh, is an author, wrote a book called Wild at Heart, and he said that every boy needs to hear, you have what it takes, and every girl needs to hear, you're beautiful. And um, this means so much coming from a dad. I mean, it's words that if you say to your daughters, mm-hmm. you're beautiful, um, that's what you're supposed to say. You're mm-hmm. the mom. But if the dad says it, it means so much more coming from them. You can really bless your child that way. Uh, and they need to hear you say them over and over again in different ways uh, because people hear things and understand things differently. If you use the same words all the time, they lose their meaning early in our marriage. I used to tell my wife, you are sweet and charming and delightful and a joy, a joy to, be to be around. around. And he doesn't tell me that anymore. And she still is, all <laughs> those things. But I felt like that statement, because I recited it, it had lost its um, punch, you know. And so I tried to find different ways uh, to say that. And so uh, we said we were going to share some resources during this series to help you with your parenting. So I want to do that right now. And when we talk about encouraging your children, first, of it, first is this, uh, find your child's love language. 
Okay, if you're not familiar with this concept, uh, it comes from a book by Dr. Gary Chapman called The Five Love Languages. And uh, they say every child, every person actually has a love language where they best receive love. And for you, it might be uh, words of affirmation. It might be acts of service. It might be receiving gifts, quality time, or physical touch. And if you don't know what that is for you or your spouse or your child, you can go online at fivelovelanguages.com. That's the number five, lovelanguages.com. And you can take this assessment yourself. You can have your spouse take it. Uh, you can, there's even a separate quiz. You can do it for kids. We all took it this week. They're all free. Our whole family took it. You took it. And your love language was? Quality time. Quality time. Does this count? I mean, we've been together for a couple hours. Mm. They've all seen it. No. No. Maybe later? Quality time? Maybe. Yeah. 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 Mine was physical touch. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Maybe later. <laughs> uh, at least she didn't punch me. Um, <laughs> blessing your children is so important. And when I talk about blessing your children, I'm talking about, um, well, this book probably right here, Champions for Life by Bill Glass, is maybe the best book I've ever read on the importance of a father's blessing. And, and what he means by a father's blessing is um, when you get down at your kid's level, and you, you take their face in your hand and you look them in the eye and you tell them what's great about them and you tell them that you love them and that you're their dad and that you're proud of them and, and just linger in that moment. And it gets a little awkward as they get older, but if they're used to it, um, they get to hear those things that they need to hear. And that book um, is really incredible. I highly recommend that dads that you read that book and, uh, and uh, use it because uh, we can see from Scripture even how important the blessing is. If you get some time this week, uh, read the story of Isaac uh, at the end of his life. Isaac was a son of Abraham. He had two sons, Jacob and Esau. And there's a time at the end of his life when uh, Jacob uh, deceives his dad to steal the birthright or the inheritance and the blessing. And what we see is that Esau really, really wanted his father's blessing. He could let the birthright go. All the money, all the inheritance, he could let it go. But he really wanted his dad's blessing. It's so important. So number six for you. Pray for them. Pray for your children. Of all the things I can do for my kids, I think this is the most important thing I can do. And there's something really mysterious about prayer. Why would the one who created me and created moth wings and volcanoes and time and space, why would he even want my input? And it's the same reason that we want it from our children, because it draws us closer and it builds trust. Um, No matter how hard I try or how much I love, I cannot be my kid's savior. That is God's job. And so I am dependent on him to do that through prayer. And in 1 Corinthians 3, it reminds us that neither he who plants nor one who waters is anything, but only God makes things grow. So we, our job, we must plant and we must water, but we must depend on God for our kids to grow spiritually. And there are four things I suggest in praying for your children. And the first one is to do it daily and more than once, probably. Um, Praise him and listen to him and hurl your anxieties at him. Just pray for your kids. Um, Document your prayers is number two. I am so grateful for my journals because they are my spiritual history. And you can argue whether you believe everything in the Bible or not, but you cannot argue with my proof that my God loves me and he is faithful. And I have that to share with my children and to remind me when I'm struggling as a mom. Another thing is to pray with other women. I am so blessed to have women in my life who will lift up my children with me, Kim and Lori, um, who will take my kids and cry, climb to the roof and crash through to bring my kids to Jesus. 
And I so want that for every mom in this room. And if you don't have someone and you can't find someone, email Steve because I want to talk to you. Uh, I don't have an email through here, so that's why Steve. Um, the last thing is um, to pray God's scripture over your children. I keep with me, I have several of these, but um, just writing scripture down that God has revealed to me to pray for my kids. And I can keep this in my purse and pull it out when I'm in line at the grocery store or when just all the time and to be praying continuously for our kids, God's promises. Yeah. So my number six uh, was pray for your children. Yeah. Uh, It's almost like we planned it that way. Uh, I can't reinforce this enough. I I, I pray for my daughters. I pray for their friends. I pray for their teachers. Um, I pray for their leaders in Gen Kids and GSM student ministries. I, I pray for their future husbands. Now, there are so many things you can pray for your kids. It can actually get a little overwhelming. And so mm-hmm. we wanted to help. And so uh, in the way of giving you resources this week, uh, we put together a blog post. And when I say we, I mean you, mostly you. Um, put together a blog post, and it's called 31 Ways to Pray for Your Children. And it's on my personal blog. You can see it at uh, stevewallen.wordpress.com. And uh, I just uh, want you to go there, and, and you're free to use anything on there. Most of those prayers, there's 31 prayers on there. Most of them are one sentence where you can just insert your child's name, and you can know that you're praying for your child every day and that you're praying Scripture. And so you, the idea is you print that off, you pray one a day, and then you go back and start at the beginning. And every day, you know, for a month, you're praying for your child that way. And, uh, uh, and so uh, we just thought we'd close the service by praying for you. And we want to do that. Well, before we do that, I want to I give you a few thoughts. Uh, if you're married, again, uh, if you're a Christian and you're married, uh, your number one priority is your relationship with Christ. Uh, number two is your relationship with your spouse, and your kids are third. All right? Uh, so many people get that wrong. Uh, second, if you're a single parent, I, I just can't imagine how much more difficult this is. I mean, you're filling two roles, and there's a good chance that you probably feel like a failure sometimes. Um, but be encouraged. Your God is greater. Uh, he can do immeasurably more than you can ask or imagine, so keep asking. Uh, Keep trusting him. Keep the faith. If you've messed up, welcome to the club. You're one of us now. You're a parent, you know, and uh, you can choose to focus on those mistakes uh, or you can look at all this that we've laid out, these 12 things, and you can think, you know what, it's too much. I'll, I'll never be able to do that. And you can choose to do nothing. But if you look back and you think about all the mistakes you've made, and even if you think it's too late for God to do anything great in your life or your kids' lives, just know he can still work a miracle. God is that good. He, you just need to ask for faith and trust in him. And so we want to pray for you. And so, um, Benita, would you pray for the women in this room? And I'll pray for the men. By, I'll close by praying for the men. And um, I'd just like to ask you guys to stand, if that's all right. Stand, and we will pray over you um, before we go into one last song. Lord, we want to thank you for the children in our lives. We know that they are a blessing from you. And we come confessing to you that um, we fall short of the role of motherhood and grandmas and aunts so often, Lord, uh, that we confess to you that we are sometimes consumed with selfishness or ingratitude for what you have blessed us with. And we ask for your forgiveness for that. Um, Lord, I just pray that you would teach us, Lord, how to plant those seeds and how to water and nurture them, Lord, and that you would help us to depend on you to grow our children spiritually. I pray for each child, Lord, that is represented by a person in this room, by a mom or an aunt or a teacher in this room, Lord, that you would draw them to you. And Lord, I thank you, Jesus, that you offer us a throne of grace and mercy in our time of need. And when the enemy enemy screams failure, 
in neon lights across us, Lord, that you will remind us that we are your daughters, and with us, you are well pleased. And Lord God, I just lift up the men in this room, the dads and the grandpas and the uncles and the, uh, the neighbors and the teachers, and I just pray that you would help us to be the encouragers that we need to be. Help us to be the spiritual leaders that we need to be, God. That only comes from you. It won't come from our own volition, our own strength. That, God, we need you. We need uh, faith in you. We need to trust in you. Uh, We need your wisdom and guidance, yes. But most of all, we need your presence. And so we just pray for your Holy Spirit to enable us to be the parents and the inspirers that we need to be, God. I thank you for your word that directs us and guides us. And I thank you so much for your spirit uh, that lives in us, dwells in us and helps to show us the way that we should go, God. We thank you for all things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks. I love you guys.